0: You gotta take this higher You gotta kick this higher Hey, hey, take this higher
1: <laughs> And on and on I don't want to go
2: in alone <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Thursday, February thirteenth, and this is Top Ten Thursdays with us. Sean Lemmy, John Otney, Colin Westman. No, Matt Carson's this week. He's uh, he's got everything working against him right now. He's just trying to fight back as best he can. So, John, you've been watching a bunch of Miyazaki movies. How's that been going? Ah, it's been
0: a lot of fun. I've enjoyed all the movies. Great stuff.
2: And, of course, you're working towards uh, seeing his last movie, I guess, next week?
0: Supposedly.
2: Like, there's rumors that he's going to come out of retirement for the sixth
0: time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the Wind Rises is opening over here in the States on February 21st. So, I'm trying to work towards that. Got some... Amazing he's been, he's been doing it for so long. He's, yeah. like, 73.
2: Pretty old. And it sounds like he's going out on a high note, too, which mm-hmm. a tricky thing to do, uh, especially with a director. I mean, with an actor, you, you can kind of just hop on to something, I think, if you're prestigious enough, right? You just hop on to something and, and gently age your way out of acting. But as a director, you know, it's your whole project. You're, you're the man in charge. So if you don't got it anymore, we're in, we're in deep shit i mean if, if that movie sucks
0: they're taking the blame because yeah. they were they were in their head honcho
2: uh which brings us to this week's show topic our top 10 uh directors who should quit we went with the mean phrasing again
1: <laughs> not retire but quit even though yeah, is there really that big a difference
0: I like to think it's like votes, and then they, they have to like stop doing it. It's, a, it's like a dishonorable discharge.
1: Yeah, it's not their choice. Okay.
0: And this was inspired by uh, was it Pompeii.
1: Well, I think we're just inspired by being January and February when directors yeah. like these are putting out all their shitty movies into theaters.
0: they time to shine.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <sighs> All right. We're going right at it with our our first nominee, uh Brett Ratner.
0: Famous for the Rush Hour movies. We liked those as kids. I mean, the first one.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, remember, uh, yeah. I remember enjoying Rush Hour too. It, it's probably probably bad though. I think there was something that happened to me at least between the second and third Rush Hour movie where I kind of understood more what a, what constituted a bad movie. And so we went into Rush Hour 3 thinking maybe it would be kind of fun. And then it just sucked.
2: And
0: then, you know, yeah, Rush Hour 3. <laughs> that was an experience. I remember
1: we walked out of it saying, like, did we just get transported back to the late 90s? It's like they're still doing like this kind of buddy cop like whoa i'm a black guy you're an asian guy like they don't have any of those in movies right now do they and it's like come on get with the times
0: and just like a lot of ah hell no and like i'm black guy you're asian guy jokes (laughs) that we got like seven years before or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i was really dated and maybe Brett Ratner's just dated. Maybe he was never meant to go past, like, 2003. Yeah. He doesn't understand how to uh, to make films for this uh, generation or something. I don't know. I mean, wh- is there anything in particular that, like, puts that Brett R- Ratner on this list? Like, that one thing, like, oh, God, he just had to make that. Like, what is it about him that makes him, like... Seems so much more despicable. Well I think
1: it also has it too with that he's seems like a pretty disgusting person in real life. Like I don't know if his movies are that bad, but it's like, oh, it's like this creepy asshole who also gets to make movies that aren't very good. That's that's great.
0: I mean, yeah, there's all that controversy around the time when he was going to direct the Oscars and he was saying a lot of negative things about gay people and then weird, like, sexual things about Olivia Munn and just kind of a total creep. I know it's hard for me to, like, even look at any of his films without, like, thinking about that. And maybe that's not fair, but it's happened. But, yeah, I mean... I don't think his films are like uh, it's not that they're the the worst things ever. They're just consistently mediocre. Mm -hmm. Like, what is he contributing like as an artist? I mean, he definitely just seems like one of those guys who's just like picking up his check. Like, that's all he cares about. I mean, I don't know. I didn't see. I don't know. uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) He seems like he's a guy that might enjoy what he's doing. It's just what he's doing is (laughs) really dumb and juvenile. He's like, ah, uh, yeah, making the black guy jokes.
0: I mean, I didn't see Tower Heist. Uh, is that what that was like? Has anyone in here seen Tower <laughs> Heist? Did you just make the black guy jokes? <laughs> Probably. And that was that was his most recent uh, directorial effort. Mm-hmm. But I know he's got Hercules coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The rock. He also
1: did the most mediocre of the X Men movies. <sighs> Which whatever.
2: Well, yeah, the most mediocre. It's, at least it's not the worst.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I think that's kind of his thing, is he just makes really mediocre movies. They're not remarkably bad. He's just just shooting for the middle.
0: Yeah, he's never made anything that great. He doesn't look like he plans to make anything <laughs> that great.
2: <laughs> and he's
0: a, just fucking salam.
1: I like that one of his most, like, one of the most famous pictures of him that gets passed around the internet is him looking at, like, the big book of butts. He's got, like, his mouth open. He's, like, drooling looking
0: at it. I'm actually not familiar
1: with this. Pretty good. Like, whenever the AV Club posts a news topic about him, they just use that picture. I see. It's <laughs> inspiration for his next film, I suppose. Perhaps he's working
0: on an adaptation. Uh, there's like a picture of him back from the 90s where he's like pointing at a woman's butt, too. <laughs> <sighs> he knows what he's a man who knows what he likes. All right, let's let's move uh, let's move ahead. Next we got a seasoned veteran, and Brian De Palma. Now, how did he end up on this list?
1: Uh, I put him on. I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite qualified because I haven't seen any of his more recent films, which seems like his last few ones have not been well received like, at all. Even though he was once pretty great, he's done some really good movies: uh, Scarface, The Untouchables, uh, Carrie. Which I'm assuming, like, the only reason he keeps making movies is he's just getting getting all that bank every time they remake a Carrie movie. <laughs> he's just like, all right, I'll just use this to make a movie that no one will see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't see his last couple of films. So I don't know why they're bad, or but I assume they're bad. Aren't they bad? Let me see his last one. Very yeah, not good reviews. It seems like he's trying, though. He's just – I mean, it's probably just one of those cases where he's just so out of touch. Mm-hmm. Or he's just old and
1: uh, – mm, He's like in his 70s.
0: I don't know. He's done it too many times. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what his last good movie was. I mean, I guess a lot of people like Mission Impossible. It's like
1: 1996. Yeah. <laughs> Some people um, like Carlito's way. on was
2: 93.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we're talking 20 plus years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing with Brian De Palma is the last movie of his that I went to see was The Black Dahlia. And that was horrendous. And like, I just don't think he has it in him anymore. He's pretty old now. He's... 73 I I just don't think he's got another quality film in him and you know he's got Scarface and Carrie I, I think Mission Impossible is fun it just it can't be good anything he has to do I remember Passion when that came out a lot of people were like he should you should not make movies anymore. <laughs> that
1: was 2012, looks
0: like.
2: Yeah. I don't know why. I guess it's pretty badly reviewed. I mean, Black Dolly was definitely one
0: of those movies where I just sat through it and I was just like, what the fuck was that? Because, <laughs> I mean, not only are it really bad performances, really hokey script, Just it's like people pretending to do noir, like it's like a crappy dinner theater stage play. Yeah. But then they take a real, you know, life murder, something very tragic that happened and then like solve it with like fictional characters. And there's just something about that that I found in really poor taste and that anyone would want to make that movie. And it's so disappointing too because the Black Dahlia story is really interesting and and he just had to go and make that and I, I can't believe we even saw it. It's really weird that that's something that happened.
2: You guys want to see the? We're teenagers.
1: Let's go see the *Ladies' Bride De Palma movie. I don't
0: know. But it's so disappointing because I feel like in particular thrillers was something he used to be so good at. You know, you look at Carrie, you look at he did kind of like a string of those almost Hitchcockian kind of thrillers in the 70s. Like that was his bread and butter. And now he doesn't even like know how to do that. So it's like, why should I even bother? At least this is one where I'd say, like, it just like, like earlier I used the word or the words dishonorable discharge. Or for this one, I'd be like, no, this is being honorable. You know, he's done enough good work to Mm. get ass and just, you know, just. He's not one of those guys who's always stunk and will
1: always (laughs) stink. So therefore should quit. He's done good stuff. Good yeah. career, not so much recently.
2: You guys like The Untouchables? Yeah, it's
1: been, a while. Seen it it's, been, it's been a while since I saw it. I think I watched it in a, like a high school <laughs> history class or something. Sweet. Yeah. Was that action history? Action history. <laughs> Just like that history
0: is action.
1: Class. I think I also watched. Dances with wolves in that same class What's well, a, well, it's a was Kevin Kes- Costner was Kevin
0: Costner a professor?
1: <laughs> I wish
0: Action history with mm-hmm. Kevin Costner And
1: he'd also show JFK um,
0: Waterworld
1: Waterworld Show us the future as well as history
0: <laughs> Sounds pretty good Well I don't know It depends on how many of them you have to watch Or do you have like extra credits I have to go see three days to kill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that didn't sound too good. Let's talk about another old man. Got a string of those on here. Clint Eastwood. Interesting choice. It's bold.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's 83 years old now, which is pretty old. Uh, and... If you look back on his career, has he really done anything as good as Million Dollar Baby ten years ago in in that time? I Uh, mean... I like Gran Torino. Gran Torino was okay, and Letters from Iwo Jima was good. But he's... I mean, Changeling no one cared about. Invictus was bad. Hereafter no one cared about. J. Edgar no one cared about. Now he's doing a Jersey Boys movie, which I don't care about, but... (laughs) They'll probably make bank.
1: It's not your demographic show.
0: That, see, that's confusing me. I just don't feel like Clint Eastwood has enough energy to do Jersey Boy. I mean, that's a Broadway musical. I think of Jersey Boys. I think of guys in you know shiny suits on a stage, all sorts of people dancing, bright flashing lights. Like, how could Clint Eastwood keep up? I feel
1: like he just keep, like, pass it out. Like, <laughs> this is too much for me to take, guys. I gotta they nudge him and be like, nah,
0: okay, enough of that shit. He's got another dance. <laughs> like I don't know how he's gonna do that. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't really know anything about Jersey Boys. I mean, I like the music of the Four Seasons, but
2: I don't know. It's a troubled project. That really like. That's never a good sign. Like mm. John Favreau was supposed to be the director originally. Yeah. And they're like, nah. No cares let's, get, that. let's get
1: this guy who's twice his age to do
0: it.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't know that it's that Clint Eastwood's been doing really bad movies. It's just maybe it is a good time for him to stop just so he doesn't accidentally make that really bad one. Because <laughs> you like... <laughs> Because you're right saying that his last handful string of movies, you know, Invictus hereafter. I I don't know about Invictus. Do you guys saw it? Is that oh, I thought it was okay. Okay, I think it was straight up bad. (laughs) Okay, well, maybe, maybe not inconsistent, like his last, like more so than he used to be. So it's only a matter of time before, you know, (laughs) he does something really bad. I
1: remember the title of your review that you wrote, Sean. It was Inviction Notice. (laughs) very clever
2: yeah I mean in the three years since he made his last movie he's starred in a commercial and he did that Republican National Convention speech with the stool and to me that's just giving me the vibe that he he doesn't really know what he's doing anymore he
1: also did that trouble with the curve movie
2: I totally forgot about that entirely.
1: Yeah. It happened.
0: You know, I feel like you up a good point. Um, him, you know, talking to a chair in front of a huge audience. That's the most famous thing he's done. The, the, the guy who's talking to an imaginary person <laughs> is, like, telling, you know, 50 people on a movie set what to do. <laughs> like, he can't be that with it. He must have a really good, like, production team around him. Like, I wonder how much Clint Eastwood, especially in these recent years, is, like, really directing. Is he just kind of sitting there and being like, okay, that's good. Like, what is he doing? I don't know. I mean, he hasn't made that many really
2: bad movies. There's there's been a couple. Yeah. Blood work. He's he's directed. He's basically had two successful careers. I mean, he's been directing movies, like, 40 years. Yeah. There's been a lot of good stuff in there. And he doesn't have anything left to prove but he has a lot to lose sounds like a good tagline <laughs> doesn't have a lot to prove
0: but he has a lot to lose
1: <laughs> brilliant i like it yeah, i don't know it kind of <laughs> i guess wouldn't
0: just... have a lot to prove
1: like a really rich guy he's got lots to lose
0: maybe he's like sinking all of his money into something extravagant i don't know what like
2: like horse racing or something
0: how how's that extravagant
2: He's like gonna, like he's gonna horse ride
0: horses yeah is this a movie where clint eastwood's
1: gonna ride horses he becomes a jockey at the age of 83
0: clint
2: eastwood is a
0: is a millionaire who's going to start racing horses
1: it was like his dream ever since he was a kid
0: He's making fun of all the short people Yeah,
1: lots of short jokes
0: That sounds pretty bad Amy Adams is in it for some reason <laughs> He's like, Dad, you don't have to do this
1: I'm not doing it for you i doing it for me
2: Can yeah. can we at least give this to Hillary Swank? That poor woman doesn't get to be in anything anymore.
1: She's got two Oscars, Sean. What? She's got no excuse. She can't get in another good movie.
2: I just hope she's okay. <laughs> right,
0: let's, let's move ahead to everybody's favorite.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I started thinking about the core again.
0: The core. Anyone we're gonna talk about? No, no, I don't think so. Sure, it's someone bad though. Uh,
2: the core was directed by John Emil.
0: Oh, he did knew too little. Yeah. This guy has done too little for me to care.
2: Yeah. Moving on.
0: True. Let's talk about Dennis Dugan. Let's. Basically, Adam Sandler's lackey. like The Igor to his Dr. Frankenstein. He's
1: just his puppet.
0: I mean, it's basically just so, like, there's a guy up there to call cut (laughs) (laughs) who's not going to give any creative input or any critique in any way. Just like, Adam, just do whatever you want. I don't understand. Why do you think Adam Sandler doesn't direct his own movies? It's just too much work because you just want to hang out
1: yeah i think there's a fair amount of responsibility that goes into directing a movie and he just doesn't want to have to deal with that he just wants to make funny faces and yell at children all day
0: and right, i'm gonna i'm gonna take a look here at dennis dugan's filmography and see how many how many winners we got in here mm-hmm. all right um oh boy <laughs> where to start did he do any of the, like, popular Adam Sandler movies?
1: I think he did a few of the yearlings. He did Happy Gilmore. Uh, which, okay, here we go. Which yeah. he followed up with the immortal classic Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> uh, uh, he did Big Daddy. Okay. He, he, also, he also did Saving Silverman. It's, it's interesting to look at his movies he didn't do with Adam Sandler.
0: It's funny because they still kind of remind me of Adam Sandler
1: movies Yeah like Benchwarmers It's pretty much just all Oh yeah
0: Benchwarmers I can't believe I went to go see Benchwarmers <laughs> Doesn't it, that make I you was... Oh go ahead I was I was just saying I was caught up in Napoleon Dynamite Mania
1: Yeah because that was like the first movie John Heater did afterwards
0: And even though he was doing the exact same thing
1: Yeah The whole world was waiting with bated breath To see what his next move would be What's he gonna do
0: next? And the, you know, answer is the exact same thing. That's kind of what Des Dugan does. He just kind of makes the exact same movie over and over again, about like man children, mm-hmm. which is a good day for a movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, how come they haven't made that yet?
0: Is it like children with like, like Adam Sandler's head on it and stuff, and like Kevin James' head on it? Maybe. They get turned into children and have to go back to school. Which is basically Like Billy Madison kind of Yeah but like
1: literal <laughs> They actually Morph back into children
0: Yeah I mean it, it's hard for me To really attack this dude Because I don't really know like, how much he actually really does Like I was saying It's almost like more like They just need to have a director
1: They need a guy in charge To watch over the children
2: Wait a minute. You said that the movies he did, even without Adam Sandler, feel like those crappy Adam Sandler movies. What if he's been the guy sandbagging Adam (laughs) Sandler this whole time?
0: But that's the thing is, Adam Sandler doesn't do all his movies with Dennis Dugan. He does a lot of them. So I guess they just both bring out the worst in each other. They must have, like, the exact same sense of humor. I don't know. Dennis Dugan is a mystery to me but somehow terribleness follows him i mean
2: i mean he did jack and jill so what like yeah what do we have to gain by stopping him (laughs)
0: like will adam Sandler just get another guy to fill that role
2: and would that be an improvement
0: you know, that's a that's a that's a really good question because he hasn't made a non-Adam Sandler movie since two thousand six. <sighs> like, maybe, do you think like if Adam like Adam, Adam Sandler let him go, he just like disappear? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't think anyone cares. he would about... start to like fade like. I'm fading away.
1: (laughs) No one would call him anymore. That'd be the end of his career. The wind would just blow him away. Yeah,
0: I mean, because like it's not like anyone else is hiring. Like we gotta get Dennis Dugan. This is a Dennis Dugan project. (laughs) Even those ones we were talking about, I'm pretty sure those are at least like, like those non Adam Sandler ones. They're Adam Sandler's like production company, right? Yeah,
1: they're probably produced by him.
0: So he has no power without Adam Sandler at this point. God, you know, it's it's a pretty good argument to say, like, well, if he quit, like, I'm just going to keep making he's going to find another Dennis Dugan. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's not like to blame. But then again, yeah, then there's his other movies. But then those are like I'm saying they produce like, I don't know. But I, I don't think he'd go back to making those.
2: I mean, we'll have to come back to it. Um, what, <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything? Does anyone have his filmography open? Is there anything pre Adam Sandler?
1: I'm I'm looking at pretty much all these guys' filmography as we talk about them. I
2: mean, what was inter- interesting is I've actually
0: seen movies where Dennis Day was an actor. Like he was in The Howling. Like he was a hardworking guy, like just trying to you know make it as an actor. Yeah, he
1: pretty much didn't do anything before Happy Gilmore. I mean, he was just directing, like, TV stuff. Like, yeah, Happy Gilmore is pretty much his first feature-length film.
2: Hmm. I'm trying to find more insight on the guy.
1: Yeah, he
2: <laughs> pieced together the rest of the puzzle, but uh... it's so weird because he must be one of the most successful directors of all time, given all the money those Adam Sandler movies make. And yet, how many people even know his name?
0: Mm-hmm. Does he even exist? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, there are pictures of him, but I don't know. Maybe it's just some guy Adam Sandler hired to be Dennis Dugan.
0: I did find this quote from him, though, that audiences that go to my movies don't want a message. They don't want my soul exposed or my life view. They just want to laugh.
1: And he can't even provide them with that.
0: <laughs> Any director that says that they don't want to tell a message, I feel like he's in it for the wrong reason. Because <laughs> All films, no matter what they're about, should have like something else to say. Like, I don't know. That sounds pretty corporate fuck to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I don't I don't know how much to put it on him, but I think Dennis Dugan's pretty high on my list at this point. <laughs> let's,
0: let's go on another corporate fuck.
2: <laughs> okay. Gary Marshall.
0: Uh,
1: speaking of guys who've always stunk, I mean, he's been like a hack in two mediums. He also created Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, which... I mean, are famous TV shows, but they're not well regarded, like <laughs> as classic TV. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then he went on to go be like the king of romantic comedies, which is weird. Even now, like this crusty old guy is directing a bunch of young, beautiful people in these like Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve movies. I don't. <laughs> it's weird.
0: I mean, I will say that I do. Overboard is a guilty pleasure. Oh I, I, yeah, I'll I mean, admit it's not a good movie.
1: You're, but, you're a big fan of that movie,
0: <laughs> but uh, that one I kind of like. I mean, okay, it, it's, it, this isn't the case with all his movies. If something that that bugs me about him is, I feel like he does a lot of movies where the women are kind of like, like they, the guys are always like saving the women. I I mean, I guess that's like all like romantic comedies kind of. But like, I think about even how like, uh pretty woman, like it makes it seem like she's becoming an independent woman in that movie, but there's still that scene at the end where Richard Gere has to like punch Jason Alexander and, and save her like, you know, the knight on the white horse and the same thing kind of goes for Overboard even though I kind of like that movie I mean, Goldie character is just a total bitch and if it wasn't for Kurt Russell you know, just coming in, saving the day I don't know, they're these really one-dimensional kind of stories that try to act like they're more they're just really pandering I mean, I haven't seen that many of his movies because most of them don't appeal to me. Uh But, I mean, most of the ones I've seen... I mean, I've seen Overboard, and I like it, though I will admit it's probably bad. Pretty Woman's pretty okay. (laughs) Princess Diaries. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) Did Uh, you see the sequel? I did not.
2: Royal Engagement. It's really bad. Uh, (laughs) Much worse than the first one. (laughs) How so? Because she has to, like get good at being a princess so she has to like learn archery and stuff. It's just Yeah, what's the deal
0: with those movies? So like she's you know, I mean, she's like a dorky girl but then like oh, but now she's royal like royal so she's like cool. Like like isn't that that shouldn't be like important, right? Uh, I don't
2: know. Well, it was it, you know, it was it was big for you know doing that classic movie thing of like she wears glasses what a dork but then they take the glasses off and let her hair down it's like oh my god (laughs) that's like the worst (laughs) person shouldn't need to do that to find out that they're
0: special
1: (laughs) i've I've never taken my glasses off before i didn't know
0: there probably was some part where it's like it doesn't matter if you're a princess you're just you but you know that's bullshit it's like if she hadn't been a princess her life would still be the same you know i don't know it's she wouldn't get to hang out with John Reese davies that's for sure. <laughs> and then, what, Gary Marshall's last two movies. It was the same movie, twice. Except, except but on a different holiday. Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve. Which is like, how many bad, smaller stories? <laughs> Dude, overall bad story. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. It's amazing I mean, all the people he gets to be in those. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he has a reputation, but like, I think people they got to look. Is like, you know, I know who Gary Marshall is, but like, is this stuff like that good? Anyway they call him with like the shows he's produced. I mean, they're they're not like amazing shows. They're pretty. They're
2: pretty average. Hillary Swank like... is in New Year's Eve.
1: yeah. I, <laughs> 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 I think you still have reason to worry about
2: her then. This is ludicrous. What have you done, Hillary Swank? Oh God, it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, since we're on the topic, uh, have any of you guys seen Beaches? No. <laughs> it has the reputation of being like such a beautiful, devastating movie, but it's like a guilty pleasure.
1: It's like probably just probably, probably just really melodramatic.
2: I've heard "Wind Beneath My Wings."
0: Okay. <laughs> A compelling argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Gary Marshall, not too good. I'm really excited to talk about these next couple of schmucks, <laughs> though. Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer, possibly the worst directors of all time. I don't know, but I think that they may be. I'm I'm just looking at their uh, their filmography and all the films that they've they've directed together, and then looking at their you know their their Rotten Tomato scores. <laughs> their highest is a six <laughs> percent. Here's it's, um, Starting with Date Movie, here's the 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 percentages they've received on their releases. 6%, 2%, 2%, 1%, 4%, and then two zero percents. <laughs> Does that
2: mean not I don't even think Armand White could write a positive the, review? Could,
1: they could get one person to even give like a mild recommendation out of all the critics in, in the country.
2: Now, John, how Mm -hmm. many of those movies were profitable?
0: Ooh, let's see. Uh, Probably most of them. They do have the uh, grosses here. Uh, I
2: believe they were all profitable. (laughs) See, they know what they're doing. The total price.
0: Except for their most recent one, which I don't believe got a theatrical release. (laughs) I saw the trailer. The Starving Game. Yeah, it looked oh, pretty yeah. bad.
1: It looked like they just like got a bunch of costumes from uh, a Halloween store and went out in the woods and shot a movie on their iPhone or something. <laughs> not the most professional-looking film uh, in terms of production or content. But yeah, no. these are basically the movies where. They pretty much just said, okay, we're going to replace actual jokes with just references to pop culture. They're not funny references, they're just there, like acknowledging that something exists.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I think a perfect example is we've all seen Epic Movie, right?
1: Inexplicably,
0: yes. I, I think that was the one. Where it's like, okay, we gotta check out, see how bad these guys really are. So, at some point, all you know, we all managed to watch epic movie, mm-hmm. and and we they're, did they're it the right way. way. We waited till like yeah. two in
2: the morning to watch it.
0: There you go. <laughs> and there's all these references to things like Borat and Nacho Libre, basically all this stuff from 2006. And. They were the same jokes again. Like Borat going around this fantasy world saying, my name is Borat. Nice. It's like – yeah, I know. I saw Borat. Like I get what Borat is. I wonder if they even
1: see these movies that they're parroting. They just watch a trailer or maybe see a poster. and They're like, oh, let's just put that character. I don't even know what he does. Let's put him in our movie.
0: Because there's no real, like, insight into any of, any of these. I feel like a good parody, you know, it's like a satirical, like, stab at at something that maybe wasn't even funny to begin with. And then you could poke fun at This is, like, like the same jokes. And I use j- jokes, like, quotation, like, again. They're not really even
2: jokes.
0: <laughs> and then if you just put in, like, a lot of... Yeah, I don't even know what you call those. Like, what... What is that? Like Nacho Libre shows up, like, like oh, I get, what is that? Just rec- like I recognize recognition what recognition. Of... It's just remembering things. That's huh <laughs> oh, That's the shot? That's a recognition that <laughs> <laughs> And what's like so so terrible, or, or what's So I mean, what just was so bizarre is in the long run, these are going to be the weirdest time capsules, like, ever. I mean, like, going back to Epic Movie, I think of that, there's a scene where, like, Daryl Hammond is playing Jack Sparrow, and he's singing, like, a parody of, or rapping, a parody of Lazy Sunday. Like, (laughs) are kids going to, like, or is anyone going to get that, like, in, you know, in ten years? Like, do people get it, like, now? These, like, these Cribs parodies and you know all these weird references to things that were of so of that time. I don't know. It might actually make it, it's them
1: just, more watchable, as there'd be like the nostalgia value of being like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about these things from 2007. It's Like the
0: greatest or worst hits of all the things from you know that time time period. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the, the weirdest thing about. About all this is that there's there's two guys that both come together. They're on the
1: same wavelength.
2: (laughs) Same dumb wavelength.
0: Remember that last movie we did where a giant rock fell on someone's head and then they got hit by a car? Like that's at least in every single one they've done. Someone gets hit by a car. Like let's do it again because it's funny. Are these real people? Like. I would love a documentary or just an interview with these guys. You can't find anything on these guys. Like, I've gone <laughs> trying to find, like, interviews with them. And there's people that do, like, fake interviews like they're them and make them seem, like, retarded. It's like, I just want to hear what they're trying to accomplish. Are, are they just that immature? And they're just saying, we just like making things that are funny and this is funny. Yeah. Is is that it? Like. And I guess if they keep – It's just – it's so difficult for me to wrap my mind yeah, around. Because
1: it.
0: it. It's weird because they keep
1: doing it even on a much smaller budget when they know they're not going to be making as much money. So they're not just in it for the money. It's like they're actually in it because they believe in what they're doing. <laughs> like yeah, I, you know, bizarre that, makes I th- I that makes sense to
2: me. I think these are no. two guys – who really, really, really love film. And I think they see everything that they parody. And they love it. And they just can't tell what's good and what's bad and what's funny. They just don't have that sense. That's not their talent. They, they're somehow talented at just getting movies made. Uh, You know. I mean, because these are the guys who pitched Spy Hard to Leslie Nielsen and made him do it. And it's like the worst. Script you could ever possibly read. That's such a horrid movie. They, they. <laughs> Did you
1: watch it the other day? I remember Kevin was talking about how he downloaded that movie.
2: Yeah, Kevin was watching some Spy Hard, and I watched with him. And Kevin is like the most diehard Leslie Nielsen fan, and even he couldn't take it after maybe twenty minutes. He had to turn it off. It's just <laughs> terrible.
0: And I mean there's another movie that's like a good example of these really dated jokes all these like basic instinct references like that makes no, no sense to me
2: but also like, who's for like outside of the references a, a lot of it is just repeating jokes from uh Airplane or the Naked Gun movies which I I just I th- I think they laughed at it, and they don't understand why repeating it isn't funny
0: <laughs> Yeah That's another thing that's discouraging is somehow it's like these guys are like have become the descendants you know of the airplane, you know, people that made airplane. Except yeah. all these years of, like, inbreeding or whatever has happened. <laughs> and they've just brought it down to its most basic level. Like, there was a time when, you know, The Brothers would, would do, you know, a parody movie, and it'd be really clever. Like, I mean, you have Airplane, even, like... Like, had some interesting things going for it. What did you say? they've just cut reduced out for me the... There. Oh, Top Secret, yeah. even that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Adds a little bit going. And just the fact that the parody movie has been reduced to this, it's so sad that it, someone couldn't have carried it on because there is an art to it. I like, mean you can I think make you... parody movies and they can be good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there are movies that are good nowadays that are, work more as homages. I mean, like you look at the Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg movies, those are not parodies, but they take elements from existing movies and they're good. They have their own... <laughs> style to it instead of just uh, having nothing.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, I do believe a parody movie can be made and it could be, like, a good idea. Like, I mean, when the, when Friedberg and Seltzer made, what, like, Vampires Suck? Like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you no know, maybe it could have been a good idea to parody, like, all these crappy vampire and, like, teen horror romance movies that are coming out, but they, they, they attack it in the most Neanderthal way possible. Yeah, I mean, anything can,
1: anything can be dem- good if you can actually make it funny. Yeah. But these guys just do not understand comedy at all. They just don't get it. <laughs> so it's
0: impossible. And it's, to... so how, it's so weird how close they stick to the, the subject. You're like, so close. Like, almost to the point where it's like, if you, you, can all, you almost feel like you're seeing a remake of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you're just copying. That, that's something very disturbing about that, almost.
2: Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's, that's definitely been yeah, their I trend. These guys made me sick. I
0: don't.
2: I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, the, their next project is Super Fast, which is a Fast and Furious parody movie. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to see them get an actor that looks, that looks exactly like Diesel. So this brings us to M. Night Shyamalan, right? Mm-hmm. That's a shame. It, it is
0: a shame, because there was a time, you know, when, when people were saying, oh, M. Night, he's going to be the next Spielberg, you know, after he made Sixth Sense, and... Uh, and Unbreakable. These kind of blockbuster films, but they had like a whimsy to them and a r- really interesting character driven stories. But then, like, he got really caught up on the idea of twists, and then for some reason, like, he forgot how to write or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened. I mean, I think it varies from person to person, I think, where like M. Night went bad. Like for me, I I was probably defending him a little longer than I should have. Like, um, Con, I'd be curious to know when when were you at the point where you're like, I don't know about this guy. Was there a certain movie that just rubbed you the wrong way?
1: Uh probably probably The Village. Mm-hmm. And mm. what was it about? That I movie? saw that I think it, it was the twist. I saw the twist as like, oh. Why did this happen? <laughs> like uh, for some reason, Twitches maybe not care at all about anything that was going on in the movie at that point.
0: Like the twist itself was more important than anything else. Yeah. And then yeah, I I I can kind of understand that. Like I I, I like the village okay, but it is harder to care about that movie once there's been that shift. You feel kind of more detached, almost alienated from it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I like that movie okay, and I def- I defend it. I even defend Lady in the Water, which I'll admit is not a good movie. Uh, I mean, I think for me, it just came down to when we all sat down and watched The Happening in I,
1: theaters.
0: I didn't really have any expectations. I was I was I do remember telling myself that it's like okay, I might have been kind of shaky a little bit. He, this, but he really needs one movie to just bring me right back. Like, that's all I need. If I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to enjoy this. Like, okay, I'm confident now that he is a director that can make good movies. And then it just went the total different direction. Like, and I, you know, halfway through, or probably 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh, my God. This is, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in a movie theater. With someone I was trying to defend at some point. I felt embarrassed for having ever like saying, no, he's like good. No, he's going to be, he's going to keep making good stuff. Like that killed it. That movie has <laughs> terrible writing, terrible acting. And I'd also blame the directing on that because he has to make sure that his actors are like doing a good job. That's his job. Really melodramatic. <laughs> The whole concept of that movie was stupid. Like it's a terrible idea. I don't know who wants to tell that story. What part of it is appealing.
2: And was... that's why we don't like Zoe Deschanel on this podcast.
0: Yeah, we're big defenders of Mark Wahlberg, but that's hey. because it's 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 Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> greatest comedic performance. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the only movie I can remember going to where the audience is actually, like, booing after it. Ended. like a bunch of rowdy teenagers in front of us. They're, like, super pissed that they wasted their – Wasted my allowance on
0: this. And it's funny. Like, after – when people are, like, booing and I'm, like – I've sunk down in my seat, I almost feel like this is my fault. Like <laughs> – I was telling people that, no, this might be okay. Like, M. Night's good. No, just just, just watch this time. Watch it. Yeah, well,
2: I remember the hype was, like, maybe it's Aliens or something. Maybe he's, like, going back to, like, Signs and Sixth Sense stuff again. Like, he's maybe The Village and, and Lady in the Water, there's just kind of more experimental films. And here he's going back to his core competency. But it was like, no, he's, he's lost whatever it was that he had. Somehow. I don't know where to go. Did someone take it?
1: And, (laughs) And of course, you, Sean, put it upon yourself to see The Last Airbender.
2: Yeah. Because, I mean, at that point, I was like, well, okay, he's done, like, being someone who can create his own stuff, but he could probably transition into being a director for hire, you know, carry a project all the way. I mean, this... I just... In my mind, I I didn't know you could fuck up writing a TV show adaptation because like there are already scripts. You just choose the parts that work and put it in a in one script.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean, he blew it there in so many fucked up ways, like forgetting how to pronounce the characters' names.
1: <laughs> I I believe the original title of your review of that movie was "Fuck You, M Night Shyamalan." But I think you changed it because you realized how mean that was.
2: Yeah, that was really mean.
1: <laughs> you changed he... it to The Last Air Boner.
0: There's certainly a boner. But I feel like it's even more damaging that he insists on writing all of his films. Because I feel like that especially has been his downfall. Is that his scripts have been getting like worse and worse. He didn't write After Earth though.
2: He, he well, right. he, it, it, Gary Whitta did the script, and then M. Night Shyamalan and Scientologists adapted it.
0: <laughs> See, he had to put his name on it somehow. That script. Yeah.
2: Which is disappointing to me, cause I'm, I'm a big Gary Whitta fan, and Book of Eli I liked. So I was like, oh, interesting. Maybe you can get me back in the theaters, M. Night Shyamalan. But then no, everyone's like, no, it's the worst movie I've ever made.
0: I wonder if at some point he was just like, okay, so make, he maybe made the sixth sense of the story he wanted to tell it was it was interesting to him. Same thing you could say for Unbreakable, and maybe Signs. But I wonder if there's a point where he's just like, how can I be more M Night Shyamalan? <laughs> like almost like at that point he started playing up the twists more, like or he just has the, a, the elements more.
1: He has a brand that he has to protect.
0: Yeah, like he, he felt want to like
1: let his fans down.
0: There's certain things that he had to play up in his movies that were more important than the actual story. You know, like style over substance, but the style is not... It doesn't mean anything without the substance. Because as terrible as a movie as the happening may be, I will say there are some interesting like visual things going on in that movie.
2: But that's all Tak Fujimoto.
0: That, maybe
2: that is all Tak Fujimoto.
0: But, I mean... I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. He just needs to, to hold up the story and to make it worth my, you know, worth the while. But then, it's like he doesn't know how to do that. Like he just ran out of ideas like ten years ago. And I don't know where his career is at now. Like I don't even know. Like I was surprised after Earth got made. I'm surprised anyone. I mean, I, from what I heard, Will Smith sought him out and was like, "I want to work with him because I want to get my first – Big failure in.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he's just like sitting in a chair the whole time. It's all on Jaden Smith. I guess. It's not good
1: when your movie's all on Jaden Smith and <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I think you're in trouble. But yeah, that, M. Night
2: right? Shyamalan, I remember people didn't even give Devil a chance because his name was attached to it as a producer.
0: <laughs> I remember we were in a theater once and there's a trailer to Devil. And it said, you know, like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan presents or whatever. And people went, ha, 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 ha boo. Ha, ha. Like, and then I remember when the trailers to After Earth came out, they didn't have his name on them anywhere. No, It's like people see his name and they, like they laugh at it. Like that's how synonymous he is with just awfulness. I don't know. I didn't see Devil, so I, I can't speak to the quality. I, I like him. Devil.
2: I thought Devil was alright. Okay. It was directed by the guy who did the quarantine remake. Hmm. So,
0: I, I guess the question is, is there anything M. Night could do to s- turn his career around? And... I don't think so. I think that's what landed him on this list. Uh, he has to come up... The only way he could... No, he can't redeem himself. He's dug himself a hole that's too deep. I, I just, no, yeah, he's got to quit. I don't see any other operative. Yeah. He's,
2: he's done all the other moves he could do.
0: I honestly don't believe he is capable of making other good. I would be so surprised if his next movie was good.
2: That would shock me. Like, if he's not already in Checkmate, he's been checked, like, ten times. By him.
1: <laughs> well, I maybe mean, it's time for him to get his acting career off the ground. <laughs> he's so good in Signs.
0: Oh, that was so terrible. I mean, wasn't that bad. I, I I guess the village was... That was really tacky. Like, that's another one of the things where he was playing up, like, I have to appear in all my movies, like Hitchcock or something, playing up <laughs> the, the M. Night Shala- Shyamalan-iness. I need something to lift my spirits who's next <laughs> Michael
1: Bay
2: oh <laughs> boy
0: <laughs> I feel like Michael Bay he's your go to bad director because he's all, his name's always you know He's just synonymous with like Hollywood excess, so you just hear about him all the time.
2: Do you guys feel bad for him now after the Samsung thing?
0: No. <laughs>
2: I could never feel bad for him. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> just, just go cry into a pile of money.
2: Well, no. okay, so right. what was his last worthwhile movie? Did you guys see the island?
0: I did.
1: Was, was, was that worthwhile? I
2: remember seeing The Island in like 2006. Yeah, I'm going to go 2006.
1: I remember you you owned it on VHS. Yeah.
2: Which is really
1: seeing... impressive.
2: I feel like I thought it was okay.
0: Yeah, th- but that's that's 2006, Sean.
2: Yeah. I'm sure I wouldn't like it now. Now that I have such a high standard for action movies. After so many Fast and Furious sequels. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't just watch the island. But I remember there was there were parts of it that had some strength. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but but if we're being real, it's it's probably Armageddon in nineteen ninety eight, right? That's the that's the last time you were like, You should go check out this Michael Bay movie. And even that's like kind of like
0: Good because it's kind of bad. Like it's like it, I. It reminds me of Con Air. It's in that kind of vein. Where it's like this is so stupid, but uh, there's a lot of actors in it I like. So I'm kind of. It's like dumb fun. But like you can only have dumb fun for so many years. <laughs> like and I feel like dumb fun is how Michael Bay you just you just sum up his career. Like that's all he is interested in doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll even take a story like the story, you know, behind pain and gain, which is this really dark, grisly story about these criminals, and then make it into like a pseudo comedy where you kind of like, like them. And maybe that's not fair because I I didn't see it, but I feel like I read enough about it. And I mean, I it, it, this trailer certainly weren't portraying it as this dark, grisly crime story. You know, it had thrift shop in the trailer. It, you know, it seemed like it was, like, a lot of fun.
2: (laughs) Like, that's not what he should be doing.
0: And then aside from that, it's just been, like, Transformers movies for, like, however many years. Mm
2: -hmm. Since 2007.
0: God. I just wonder, like, what is it about, like, a new Transformers that, like, you know what I didn't get to do in Dark of the Moon that I really want to do in Age of Extinction? Like, what... Like, I didn't get to put a giant gun on a Transformer's face. Sweet. It's like, what is he getting out of each new installment? Like, what is interesting to him? Just, like, making new robots? Like, I can't wait. We haven't really got to do this kind of robot yet, so I'm excited to see this kind of robot. <laughs> is that it? Is that you know, all is It's that like,
1: it? he has nothing to do with that. He just has a... <laughs> computer animation department that does all that stuff
2: well okay he's a director so he he approves designs and stuff yeah he's
1: like this looks good
2: they don't even look like anything though
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what this is but it looks good what
0: does it look good (laughs) like they have no semblance of like a face to me or anything they're just like a big mess of I don't know like rods and wires and stuff like, it doesn't look like anything. And then what happens when we, like, get, like, 20 of them and
2: then shoot, shoot them really, really fast? And then later put it in a city full of skyscrapers and have them bursting through that so there's constant debris everywhere.
0: Like, and it's so crazy that he wants to do it again and again. Like, the, I mean, I never, I only saw the first one, and that was enough. Like, I don't, like, I you know, I finish that and like i don't think i can take anymore. just robots fighting in the city and breaking through buildings and stuff i mean sean you've seen all of them uh, what, are, what are those movies like as a whole can you like tell them apart in your memory
2: yeah uh <laughs> i would say like they're, they're all movies designed around a a, a center action sequence that goes on forever um i don't even yeah i, I don't know what you, you would get out of that project as a director because like clearly he doesn't like his actors uh because you know he you, you heard that he got around he he had like a terrible relationship with megan fox and like Even he couldn't get along with Shia LaBeouf, the most likable guy in Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah,
1: imagine that. Someone couldn't get along with Shia LaBeouf.
2: It's just a lot of like, you know, racist jokes for a while, and and then like sexy stuff, at the same time, Uh, and also making fun of old people, (laughs) and then indecipherable action for forever, for all time. Which, uh, I mean what's what, What's it like to be out there like sh- moving a camera around city streets and stuff just being like yeah we could put some stuff in there like does he have a vision for this at all
0: <laughs> I don't know for some reason you said I was just so funny I think a bunch of really bored tired crew members saying like I guess we could put some stuff in here later <laughs> just swinging around a camera <laughs> No, filmmaking should inspire people to do their best work and to be artistic. It shouldn't be just like, uh, another day at the office. Putting some robotic shit flying around here.
2: I think Michael Bay would have been a much better director if he had started, or, you know, just been born earlier. If he had, you know, because The Rock was fucking sweet, right? (laughs) That movie kicks ass. <laughs> In like a funny kind of way, I
1: guess. I've never seen it. Is it? Is it, is it a good time?
2: I had a great time all three times I've watched The Rock. <laughs> okay. But the problem is, that was 96. I mean, starting with Armageddon and Pearl Harbor, he was like at the forefront of CG stuff. And they, he shouldn't have had those tools. It's like George Lucas, you know. He's he just fell into the technology too much and you know any innovative ideas he could bring to production were thrown away when he could just be like oh well whatever we can just get artists to do whatever it is i want like he has no limitations anymore and so he has no creativity
0: that's really interesting i've actually never thought about the comparison to george lucas where it just it's the point where you change from being a filmmaker to being a businessman and since technology, you know, CG came about in the early 2000s, he became reliant on it too fast. And now it's just been done that. He's been doing that for so many years. Had he started his career earlier, he wouldn't have had been able to depend on that. And he would have maybe done some other stuff. Maybe he would have made more movies like The Rock or something. So, yeah, that's a good point. Because now, I mean, it seems like he just, you know, it's like, I got nothing better to do. I'll just guess I'll do another Transformers movie. Like, it's, it's made him lazy
2: yeah and yeah you know, I guess he was trying to fight that with pain and gain and failed yeah I don't know what that was that's just him
0: maybe it was him trying to do something better and then he just he just found he's just never that good <laughs> to begin with I don't know I, I can't explain pain and gain where that fits in into the Michael Bay timeline like that's kind of an anomaly to me that he could do something that doesn't appear to be reliant on like effects, but it's still bad. I don't it's know. Reliant on storytelling. Yeah, but like, that's the thing. He got so used to using effects that when he decided, I'm gonna take that away, like he he doesn't know what to do. Better get some close ups of those missiles <laughs> <laughs> It's the closest thing I have to special They're like effects. special effects for people. <laughs> Well, at least he gets to work with Mark Wahlberg in uh, the Transformers. That's two. Back to put Mark Wahlberg in unbearable films. Which... I mean, we'll we'll wait to see if Age of Extinction is unbearable.
2: But I don't know. <laughs> which do you think is the the true story? Did Mark Wahlberg do paint and gain just so you get that sweet sweet Transformers money, or? did Michael Bay make Pain and Gain so he could convince Mark Wahlberg to be in Transformers?
0: Mm, I mean, I don't know if he had it planned out like that. <laughs> it's plan. Yeah, it's, actually, like, those are the only two things that could have gone down. I mean, I guess if I had to pick one of those, I'd probably go with the latter. I think Mark Wahlberg just wanted to do Pain and Gain because he wanted to see how ripped he could get. <laughs> That's probably
1: all he was interested in. And the answer was not quite as ripped huge. as the rock.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna get huge for this. This is gonna be fun. I'm gonna be huge. And then like I don't know, that this I mean, age of extension, I I'm sure it's just a job. I think Mark Wahlberg seems like a pretty like almost kind of blue collar kind of guy where he just does whatever, you know. It's just he's just doing work. I don't blame him for being in Transformers.
2: Yeah, you think I he'd guess. be more selective after, like, being nominated for awards. But no, I don't know, maybe
0: he's just thinking in terms of like. This could be a lot of money. This could be like the most money I'm ever gonna make. <laughs> I mean, as an actor, I guess maybe that is hard to turn down. Because mm-hmm. it probably will be. I mean, I don't know. I I think, so far, Mark Wahlberg's biggest money maker is Ted. Actually. And I feel like Age of Extinction probably do better than Ted, which is sad. You think people would have, like, learned by now. But I think the problem is there's always a new batch of young people that, you know.
2: Still have Transformers nostalgia somehow.
0: Or just, I don't know. It's, like, a thing to do. <laughs> There'll always be that new wave of naive young people that will see something really bad. It's not like people are ever going to learn, wait, I should stop seeing these because there will be people who maybe aren't as familiar with the other ones or were too young to realize they were really bad. You know, like why we would go see like <laughs> Rush Hour 3, like yeah. our generation. There had to have been people like 10 years, 5 years older than us. Like why the hell would they do that? I'm not going to. Those movies weren't very good. But Rush Hour 1 and 2 count when we were kids. So we're like, oh, we like seeing those as kids. So you know, we'll go see this.
2: Well, for me, it was also a, a deep fondness for Jackie Chan. Yeah. yeah. I, it definitely starting with Rush Hour 2, I recognized that that guy was getting old and wasn't going to be able to keep doing these movies.
0: I was just using it as an example of how when you're a kid, things don't seem as bad. Oh, you know? no. And that's why Transformers movies work. Like why they make so much money. And why they have <laughs> prime Halloween costumes.
2: So when you're a director who's banking on children's inability to recognize the difference between good and bad <laughs> entertainment, <laughs> maybe you should stop making movies. Mm. Which brings yeah. us to Oliver Stone, who uh, to his credit is not doing that. Uh, he's just he's just dropping the ball, man. He's dropping the ball these days. I keep He keeps getting projects so like, yeah, that's, that should be a good Oliver Stone movie. But then, no, God knows turns out to be pretty bad. Uh, I mean, there's World Trade Center, which didn't you see that, John? Yeah, mm. <laughs> it was really like
0: oddly like sentimental for like but sappy and melodramatic, and not the way I want to see that story. I want to see it portrayed as like the true events, not some weird melodramatic version of you know some weird dramatic I don't know it was just it felt so phony
2: (laughs) and then there was uh, W in 2008 which like it had some elements to it that I liked but when I look back on it now it just seems like almost like a comedy in my memory especially because uh, they dodged like all the important parts of his presidency. And, I mean, this was 2008. We knew what the story of George W. Bush's presidency was, at least, you know, for now, at least until mm-hmm. we're years and years separated from it. Uh, and then, of course, there's the other things, like uh, like Sandy Newton's hilariously over-the-top performance, <laughs> which, why would he allow that? I guess because it's pretty sweet. I mean...
0: I think the thing is, he's picking interesting ideas, but he's highlighting the wrong
2: things. Yeah, I like, mean, for an, if you're an outspoken liberal making a movie about George W. Bush, you should probably be critical of him, or you're just going to let everyone down. Felt like it was pretty soft. It like, was hella soft. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, this is a man destroying the country, and he's he's this lovable oaf. Like that yeah. was the forefront of the movie was just you know ah shucks
2: you know a character
0: out of Andy griffith or something
2: yeah i mean you don't have to you don't have to do a like he's ruining the country narrative although that's the way a lot of people felt and probably oliver stone uh but he i mean when i remember about the production was he just like got so caught up in learning about george w bush and like he like fell in love with him and made this like love letter to him Uh, and since then I
1: don't think anyone wanted to see that no. at the end of 2008 and when Republicans eight and years. Democrats
2: were all done with George W. Bush yeah. in 2008 <laughs> we basically but, but... were pretending he didn't exist yeah. uh, and then he follows it up with his like again could have been meaningful could have been a worthwhile project but instead totally forgettable sequel to Wall Street Money Never Sleeps uh, again Shia LaBeouf curse <laughs> I mean, it's perfect timing for a story about the economic collapse, but then... yeah, two thousand ten, <laughs> it, it was ripe, and you know, Wall Street, not I, mean, it's an, it's a, I would say it's, I would say it's good, not great, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's memorable because it's quotable, and it has good scenes, uh, but it's not, not amazing. Uh, but then to like, kind of make it more about just bringing those characters back. Instead of like the actual reason people are interested in it, is a terribly dumb idea. Did you see this movie? Yes, I saw Mine Never Sleeps.
1: Oh, is Charlie Sheen in it a lot?
2: I think he's in it for a scene. Okay, if that much. And I like, I can't like in my head right now, I'm not even sure if the image in my head. (laughs) it's from the movie or just something I invented (laughs) (laughs) but the movie what is is this image it's just like him being like you know I'm a good guy you should trust me Michael Douglas is like no don't do that because you want to like marry my daughter who's Carrie Mulligan who this is the start of Carrie Mulligan taking roles that she shouldn't be taking (laughs)
1: She doesn't do that too often. Uh,
2: but, you no, know, the, the, the movie basically becomes, like, how can Gordon Gecko manipulate Shia LaBeouf so that he can get closer to Carrie Mulligan instead of, like, really giving you any insight to the economic situation or, you know, it should have been, like, the Wolf of Wall Street, I guess. But it really, really, really wasn't. Uh, And then he made Savages, which no one cared about at all. So I say Oliver Stone, don't hang up your hat.
0: You know, maybe he could do documentaries or something, but... uh, I mean, he hasn't really made a good non-documentary film in a long time. I don't know. Should we move
2: ahead? Sure. How about Paul W.S. Anderson? (laughs)
0: I of course mentioned his uh, latest at the beginning of this podcast, which is his his upcoming project Pompeii. See, what's weird about Paulus Anderson is how he, he's taken like a handful of stories, like he did, you know, he did this and he did like the Three Musketeers, and then presents them in a way that is like totally unrecognizable to what we think of those things. Like you think of the Three Musketeers, you think of this classical story, you know, of swordsmen. In France, is if you don't think about like giant airships and like matrix moves,
2: yeah, and that's just frustrating because why do that? Why bother? Like, I
0: think he thinks that's his trademark, <laughs> making stuff <laughs> bad. That's his trademark.
2: So, he, he thinks he's like a really innovative, like, interpreter of
1: it's putting a new twist material.
2: on it. He, mm. he, he takes a story that wouldn't work for modern audiences. It makes it into something that would, in his mind. I, I mean, I
0: guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what's super sad about Paul D. Anderson to me is that I I said this on a, one of our last podcasts, that I think his best movie is probably Mortal Kombat. And how pathetic is that when that's your best movie? I mean, I'll, most people will probably say Event Horizon because it's one of the... Like, out of there's probably only two films he's ever made that were like not an adaptation, you know, an adaptation of something. But I don't know, Event Horizon, it gets it's a movie basically about this spaceship that with Sam Neill and Lawrence Fisherman on it, and then it like enters hell or something. (laughs) And it's kind of a cool idea, but it gets so caught up in like the gore and the violence that I just, it, it totally just crashes and burns. And I think that's a lot of his movies is he gets caught up in all these, these deep, these details. And, you know, I mean, we, I feel like we're hearing the same shit over and over again. We're just not thinking about the story. He's just more interested in like the effects and the makeup and karate. and, And I don't know what his deal with karate is. Like he put karate in resident evil. Like, That was a video game that didn't even have karate, and somehow his version has karate. He's really interested in, like, The Matrix, too, it seems like. He just wishes he could have made The Matrix. (laughs) It's like, you know you didn't make that, right? Why do you have all these Matrix moves and, like, Three Musketeers and, like, Resident Evil and stuff?
2: Well, we all know he's married to Mila Jovovich.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And he uses her a lot.
2: Yeah, maybe she just really likes doing karate. <laughs> oh,
0: she's not that good either. I think that's another thing that's pretty annoying. At karate or as an actress? No, she's great at karate. Okay.
1: <laughs> Make no mistake. I
0: don't know. He's, he's a little hard for me to pin down, like, what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you explain that a little more? I'm not really I don't know. Like I I feel like with some of these guys we can like use a couple characteristics to just explain them and i I guess his thing is karate right that's his thing he just wants to make karate movies he just wants to make karate like put karate in really inappropriate places i guess that's what i needed i just needed to be able to wrap my mind around that it's just so weird looking at his collection of films he's made and trying to like think that these are all made by someone and that he wanted to make these movies like i don't i don't know and it's even weirder because he writes a lot of his movies, too. I didn't even realize that.
1: Yeah, so... you think there would be a more recognizable touch to all these movies, but it's all just kind of all over the place.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know one thing that I feel like he does that... Uh, other directors wouldn't do or maybe well i mean bad directors would do is i remember seeing like a special feature on one of the resident evils i think it was the first one i when i rented it or something i don't know why i rented it like, like why i had to see it again I had to remind myself how bad it was or something but i remember he had like zombie training schools like like there's like a person telling all the, the actors like how to act like zombies and i was just thinking of this is the biggest fucking waste of money I've ever seen <laughs> to see someone spend, like, thousands of dollars to train your actors to be corpses. Like, they, they should just be shambling around, yet he's got to teach them, you know, all, all this shit. And it's just, like, I feel like it just sums up how he's just throwing money, like, away at these things that don't matter. And there's a lot of guys. I mean, at least a handful of guys we talked about that are kind of like that. But that, for some reason, I was like, that really like disgusts me.
2: It's, like, a, that weird, yeah. that it's a weird place to worry about authenticity.
0: <laughs> like anyone's going to know. It's like, oh, that zombie. Look how he moved. I mean, and I know zombies because they're real. I've seen them. <laughs>
2: I mean, especially I mean, if these are zombies that you're going to end up fighting with karate. Mm-hmm.
1: So no, a real zombie would have reacted to karate.
0: I totally didn't realize until we started, you know, just getting into this, like how often he uses karate. Like that is just hilarious to me. That's someone's bad. It it's like like little kids like, here's the fight scene. We have cool kicks
2: and punches.
1: It's like he's a grown man. Like why doesn't he just make a karate movie? Why does he have to pick three musketeers and put karate in it?
2: They're not going to give him back the Mortal Kombat franchise. It's the only mm-hmm. one he's interested in. This is
1: one chance he blew it.
2: And that's, what, well, well, that's why well, that one was like, okay,
0: it's because he finally he got to make his karate movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: Well, now I get to look forward to the karate scenes in Pompeii when that comes out <laughs> next week.
0: And Resident Evil 6.
2: They're making another one, huh?
0: I like how he, like, left the second one and then, like, came back and was like, bring it back to its glory and then, like, left another one and then came back. Like, he keeps coming back
2: to it like it's his baby. So he's, like, only doing the odd-numbered ones? I, I don't know. <laughs> so the bad ones, according to Star Trek rules?
0: I don't understand what those movies are doing. Like, I feel like the world blew up, like, in the second one <laughs> and there's, been, like, five sequels. Like, how many times can you blow up the world? Just all floating
1: on a giant meteor.
2: <laughs> There's a great... Um, what are those guys called? Red Letter Media. They did yeah. a, like a retrospective on that franchise. I've um, seen it. And it's really good. It's very entertaining to watch them kind of just... I think... Like, in the style of my bad movie reviews, they basically just talk about the plots uh, <laughs> by recapping them and... I remember that Resident Evil At least one of the sequels Like takes place in the Matrix <laughs>
1: <laughs> Of course <laughs>
2: uh, Like they have a There's like a mother computer That like puts them into Some sort of fake environment And they have to like mm-hmm. fight out of it <sighs> Pretty sweet
0: I'm surprised he didn't make Gamer Seems like something you would have been really into
2: Probably I feel like in a cry. couple
0: of years we're going to be talking about those guys, Neville Dean and Taylor
2: What else have they done?
0: Uh, well they did the Cranks and then they did Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance Right They're on their way well, Let's give them some more time Until then we can move ahead Uh we've got another older guy
2: Oh yeah, uh, Rennie Harlan mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. I guess his claim to fame is maybe deep Blue Sea? Or Cliffhanger?
0: I would consider Deep Blue Sea a claim to fame.
2: Um,
0: what do you mean is claim to fame? That can like he made like ten movies before that.
2: Yeah, it's no interesting one,
0: you choose to highlight that no one. No
2: one in the world cares about Die Hard 2 or Nightmare on Elm Street 4.
0: Well, I mean I'd probably say Cliffhanger yeah. and Die Hard Two or the, those probably are the ones because Die Hard Die Hard was a big deal when it came out, so it's like, oh, they're gonna make another Die Hard, and then somehow he makes the like the worst one. I mean, probably not now. I think that last one was it's probably the worst one now. Yeah. And then, and then you get cliffhanger, and that's like fun, but it's bad. <laughs> and then Cutthroat Island, which. I don't know anyone who's ever seen it and that makes sense because it's the biggest box office bomb of all time. It's this huge expensive pirate movie that no one went to go see. Yeah, I've never heard of this. And he he just cast, you know, his wife in it, which it was Gina Davis and Matthew Modine, huge huge stars. I mean, people were going to flock to the theaters to see them.
2: And then it's Wait a minute. You, think, Wait a minute. you got a beef with Gina Davis. <laughs> I don't really like Gene Davis that much. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm all about Gene Davis. She's a fantastic woman. Fantastic actress. Role model for girls all over the country.
0: There you have it. But but what's interesting is that didn't kill his career. Like he kept going, but Monk's kept... Goodnight is all right. Okay.
2: Deep Blue Sea is hilarious.
0: It is super hilarious. There's the great classic senior Sound Jacks giving a speech, and in the middle of the speech, a shark comes up and, like, just rips him off, like, off-camera. Off <laughs> yeah,
1: I've watched that scene several times. Just whenever I'm in need of a laugh, I just go to the YouTube clip of that scene.
2: When you saw that the first time, did you know that that was going to happen?
1: I think so, but it's, like, still funny for some reason. <laughs>
2: I didn't. I saw that probably on
0: DVD when it was new to DVD or or VHS or whatever. And it it took me off guard, but my my reaction was definitely a laughing.
2: Yeah, it's not scary. (laughs) It's not a jump scare. It's a jump joke.
0: (laughs) It's too ridiculous. I mean, uh, it's too ridiculous. Why would that shark
1: be there? It just shows up.
0: And why did he just go there and then just leave? And then just go. That's <laughs> all he needed. What's interesting about Rennie Highland, though, is that he's still hanging in there somehow because he just made The Legend of Hercules.
2: Yeah, and it's weird because at least that's something that people paid attention to uh, after, I'd say, about a decade of people not paying attention to really anything he did. I mean, let's, just, let's go through the list. Since Deep Blue Sea, he did Driven uh that's the the sly stallone movie i think Mm,
0: it is a sly stallone movie but not one i've ever heard of (laughs) Mine hunters never heard of it exorcist the beginning no one cared well that's an interesting story because that was a movie was such a huge failure that they had to remake it great i'm not sure which one he did i think he did the remake of the failure that was (laughs) somehow a bigger failure (laughs) You guys ever hear about that? Like I don't want to go too far off topic, but they tried to make an Exorcist movie and yeah, like cool. around that time and then they finished it, but the dude was like, This is so bad. And then they like, let's just do it over again. And then it was like still so bad. <laughs> so there's two really bad Exorcist movies that came out at the same time. Go figure.
2: I guess the other one would be Dominion prequel to the Exorcist.
0: Yeah, that's the other one. The companion film.
2: Wow. Two, I would love to watch both
0: balls. of those someday and then do like a compare and contrast. But anyways, let's let's keep moving ahead. You're uh Okay, there's... so that
2: that brings us to 2006 with The Covenant. You guys remember this? I think I yeah, have that movie. I do it's like Witch Teenagers Boys yeah. including Taylor Kitsch So oh, you know wait,
0: wait. I totally remember um, the Covenant. No, never mind.
2: Um then we have cleaner gotta be straight to dvd and Then 12 rounds i don't know <laughs> five days of war last year he came out with a movie called devil's pass probably straight to dvd uh which i just checked it out and it's got like a naked lady in in like a like winter setting there's like snow and mountains and like a wave But right at the top, it says, a film by Renny Harlan, director of Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger. So you were right, John. Those are the two. (laughs)
1: Uh,
2: Oh, it's like a found footage movie about a real event. So, yeah, that sounds great. And then you had this year's Hercules, which, like, somehow these people were talking about it a little bit. Mainly because someone else on this list is making a Hercules movie. Which sounds way better. The Brett Ratner version. Yeah just just a hack that's all there is to it
0: it's
1: too i mad. like how during the 90s he looked like a villain in one of his movies like he had like a beard and a ponytail
2: <laughs> you know what's up? yeah he still looks like a villain
1: Mm-hmm. he just doesn't have the ponytail
2: yeah he's transitioned perfectly into like the modern like white businessman villain <laughs> Is in so many movies these days. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just a great villain of cinema. <laughs> he does all those movies because he relates to the villains.
2: <laughs> but in conclusion, Gina Davis is the hell of a woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh huh. Okay, let's go ahead to another European filmmaker who tried to make his mark in America. And that's Roland Emmerich. And this is one I don't – I'm not as bitter towards. I've always been a little softer on Roland Emmerich. I mean he's certainly done his fair share of terrible movies. But I feel like hes he genuinely tries. Like I think of a movie like – even like – I mean I guess we could start with what? Independence Day? I mean he made Stargate before that. But I feel like Independence Day is probably his biggest movie. And – People, are, I feel like, are pretty split on this. Like, a lot of people really like it. There's a lot of people that say it's really bad. I mean, I'd probably say that it's, it is pretty stupid, but you, you can genuinely tell that there was, like, an effort made to make the characters in that movie, like, interesting and likable. And I feel like that is a trend in a lot of his movies, that they're these huge disaster movies, but he's trying to make the characters, like, interesting people. I mean, I feel like, you know, Godzilla... Once again, you know, not a great movie or anything. Pretty bad. Like, the fact that his main character was, like, a worm expert or just an expert in, like, seismic activity, I feel like that was a more interesting decision than, like, he's, like, some government agent or something. You know? Like, maybe he's trying, but...
2: But he's still just giving characters attributes instead of making them actual three-dimensional human beings. I guess that's fair, yeah. He, he Maybe he gets, like, oh, one
0: element like that makes them unique yeah i'm good
2: which yeah it's a big step up from transformers where he's just like well this guy's the white soldier and this guy's the black soldier
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah i mean i I think i think that is the thing is like he's he's making an effort but it's not nearly enough (laughs) like if you if you're gonna make woody harrelson like a crazy hippie in your movie there's gotta be a little more to it he can't be like like a character in an SNL sketch or something. And then, of course, he gets caught up in, you know, the disaster bullshit.
2: Yeah, I guess The Day After Tomorrow was a hit or something. <laughs> I guess so. so I, don't, I don't know how to... Because he was going... You know, he did Godzilla, which was a disaster movie, but it was also a monster movie, so it was a little different. And then he did uh, The Patriot, which... <laughs> I guess is a disaster in that it's war, (laughs) but it seemed like he was getting out of just wrecking cities, and then right back day after tomorrow. Oh, that's that's right, ten thousand BC. I forgot that that existed.
0: I mean, I didn't see it, but isn't that supposed to be really really bad? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's like wrecking pre-cities.
1: They're trying to make cities, but. He doesn't want to have any of that.
2: And what I remember from the trailer it was like this guy had his wife stolen or something, right? And he has to go get her back. Uh-huh. But there must be a disaster around it, right?
1: I feel like they're build, building the pyramids or something. <laughs>
0: they just wanna wreck him. <laughs> Brings him down. Uh-huh. He does seem to get oddly like caught up in these like weird set pieces of things being destroyed. 2012, had a lot of that. I don't know what anonymous the deal with that was.
2: It's like, what if Shakespeare wasn't a person? There's like a bunch of people pretending to be Shakespeare. And there's like wars because of it. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Is that what happens in that movie?
0: Is that movie action-y at all or is this mostly dramatic? Like, I don't know. Is that his pain and gain? (laughs) It's his departure, but then like, oh wait, he can't do these kind of movies either.
2: <laughs> I, uh, I th- it sounds like it's still pretty actiony because it's described as a political thriller. So it sounds like it's about like people using plays and creating the Shakespeare character, but also like assassinating people and stuff to get England in the in the way they wanted.
0: Hmm. And then, uh, holy most- shit,
2: did this do bad? <laughs> how bad did it do well it only had a 30 million dollar budget which must be like nothing for emmerich and it only made 15 million dollars in the box office <laughs> that's what you get when re-siphons is your biggest star
0: um i guess but then of course roland emmerich's most recent Project was probably the worst sounding. At least I, I don't know if it is his worst. But White House Down
2: budget hundred fifty million dollars. Box office two hundred and five million dollars. Yeah. Those are numbers. I feel
0: yeah. like that was. I
1: don't know. I feel like people said that was kind of a flop.
2: Well, uh, I I assume since there was way more advertising for this, you know, the hundred fifty million dollar budget, you isn't aren't you supposed to like double it? For advertising, <laughs> maybe so. Know. So then, yeah, it probably fell like a hundred million dollars short of being <laughs> profitable.
0: Yep. And it, that was just hilarious to me because you know probably the most famous thing Roland Emmerich has ever shot is the White House being blown up, and now he's got a movie <laughs> where people are attacking the White House. <laughs> like he's got to come back to that. Like are they are they bringing it down again? Like I don't know. It just seems so like like the dumbest idea ever. It was just really funny. I wonder if Roland Emmerich, his thing is just that like he doesn't understand like American culture, but he's been trying like, his whole life to understand
1: <laughs> by blowing it up. <laughs> it's the only way you can. Understand
0: I don't know. He certainly doesn't seem. I don't know. I don't. I like to think he's not as evil as someone like Michael Bay, and that he's like a corrupt businessman. But maybe he is. I don't really know. I do know that he apologized for Godzilla. Like, he's sorry that it was bad. <laughs> so, that's at least kind of nice to hear.
2: What do you think I mean, it is with mediocre to bad directors and doing a movie that's also someone else's doing that same year? <laughs> like, we had the two Hercules movies this year, and last year we had Olympus Has Fallen, as well as White House Down. Which, uh, that was an Antoine Fuqua movie, so maybe more interesting maybe you
0: know they're just trying to show whose penis is bigger <laughs> like look what I can do <laughs> just a pissing contest
2: oh god Olympics has fallen that looked so pathetically written you know, having a president who's like I gotta get my Jordans on it's just wait which one <laughs> no, which... Thinking White House Down has to, White House down. down Right, good <laughs> so the Roland Emmerich one good yeah good. yeah yeah and he's got yeah. a rocket
1: launcher later on. Yeah, he's
2: got a rocket launcher and he, like, misses or something. It's like, wow, you're recycling jokes from fucking Commando. <laughs> we counted
0: 1985. How did Olympus has Fallen do? Did I do okay? I think it did
1: great. I don't think
2: either of them did that well. Um, it might be profitable. It looks like it was a $70 million budget and $161 million box office. So, yeah, okay. I mean, it was he's cheaper. Do you think those are more bankable stars? Channing Tatum and Jane Fox versus Gerard Butler, Aaron Eckhart, Morgan Freeman? I'd say the first one definitely more. Yeah,
1: I'd say so.
2: So, yeah, Antoine Fuqua was working with even less still made profit mm. he had dill mcdermott up in there interesting all right let's uh let's
0: keep speeding through this all right Uwe Boll. we got another another german i feel like there is a time where you could just ask some anyone like who knew about movies like who's the worst director and they could just say uve Boll. I just feel like he's so synonymous, synonymous with just uh, the worst of everything. Like the thing about Uwe Boll is that like some of these guys we talk about, like their stories are bad, but their effects are like, you know, they put a lot of money. Like Uwe Boll doesn't even have that. Like his movies are, the che- are cheap. They have like C-list stars. Like I'm amazed any of them ever made it into theaters. Like, how the hell did, in the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale happen? (laughs) That one's kind of remarkable, because somehow he got Jason Statham. Like, that's the biggest star he's ever had, in a way. usually he gets people... (laughs) It's a fantasy movie.
1: And Ray are, like, the two most ill-equipped actors to do a period piece.
0: (laughs) I mean, Yuve Bull doesn't seem to understand anything. Like, he, like he's, like, every time he makes a film, is he's just trying to teach himself how to make a film. <laughs> and he just doesn't know how to do it. And he makes, like, five in a year. Jesus. Like, it's just, like, insanity. Like, he's just, I don't even know. Like, he's just, like, a crazy person. I mean, I think it's at the point now where it's he's not really as, a, you know, a big deal because I, I think there's a point where people are like, you know, no one's going to keep seeing his movies if we put them in theaters. So, you know, maybe in the name... I think Postal was probably the one that killed it, whereas, like, pretty much all his movies are pretty much going to go straight to DVD from here on out.
2: Yeah, because made it something was, that was... I mean... Both really bad and also extraordinarily offensive.
0: I mean, he's making fun of nine He's got, like, an... isn't the opening of that movie. Uh, they had the soup Nazi playing Bin Laden, and they're he's, like, flying a jet, and they're make, making jokes. Like... Ugh, who's that for?
1: <laughs>
0: it's for? I think it's for Al
1: Qaeda to enjoy.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I don't feel too qualified to talk about because I haven't seen that many of his movies, but I have seen uh, two.
1: Yeah, I feel like you're the most qualified. I've, I've seen, seen I've seen
0: House of the Dead, and I don't know what it is like. <laughs> House of the Dead seemed pretty straightforward video game. It was just you go there's a disturbance at some mansion you go there's zombies you kill them this is a shooting game there wasn't anything to it this is like a movie about like some weird rave on some island and then they go there and the zombies start attacking them and then yeah it has karate (laughs) and then one of the weirdest things about it is they keep flashing images from the game on the screen during action sequences (laughs) And it makes no sense. Like what? Like if you're not familiar with the game, you're like, what? What am I looking at? Why was there that weird cutaway? What was that? And they use it as weird like transitions. And then I also saw Alone in the Dark, which was like, kind of like an Aliens knockoff, but really confusing, and with Christian Slater, probably the last time anyone ever thought he could star in a movie. last time anyone ever thought of Christian Slater. And that was just really bad. As uh, just an action movie. It looked really cheap, really bad dialogue, bad acting, blah, blah, blah. And then that's just been everything since then. It's, is it? uh, I don't know. He, 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 I think you could just sum up by saying he makes like five movies a year, including
2: In the Name of the King, too. Two
1: Worlds. Looking at that, starring Dolph Lundgren.
0: It's like, and I've heard sometimes he does these movies. At the same time Like he'll do two At the same time It's like he's more Interested in just Stacking up Seeing how many Movies he can make As opposed to how Many good movies He can make
2: Wow do you guys check out Assault on Wall Street Also came out in 2013 So I think a little bit Capitalizing on the White House down Vibe
1: But also Wolf of Wall Street
2: But also Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> This right is like This is like Straight to 7-Eleven <laughs> It looks like An asylum movie poster. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, know, that's but, the but, thing. I'm, yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about Uwe Boll, we probably also have to talk about how he treats critics, right? Oh yeah. Um, he is extraordinarily defensive about his work. Uh, it does not react well to criticism, and it all came to a head. Uh, sometime in the mid 2000s, right, right around when he was still getting to make stuff that could be in theaters, but it was all terrible. Uh, He decided he would let someone who wrote negative reviews about him uh, box with him in, like, a charity event. Uh, What we didn't know at the time was that he's, like, a really serious boxer, and he, like, practices all the time. And, like, he, he could probably win against anyone who's never boxed before. I mean, or even people who have some boxing experience. So, basically some poor schlub from the internet showed up and got beaten on by Uwe Boll just just for PR I guess it was it was it, just, it just became like one of the like weirdest figures in video gaming news because people were like this guy is out of his mind and he makes terrible movies but he keeps making movies somehow and there's like rumors that it's like because he gets a bunch of money from the German government somehow like weird tax breaks or something that lets him get away with it he just he came out as being like like obviously really passionate because there's no other reason why he would do these things he's not making a ton of money he's not getting any acclaim but like angry and dangerous and scary too (laughs)
1: Let's just try to think Like, Who would be a fair fight for Uwe Bull. Who's the world's toughest movie critic <laughs> I don't think there are that many out there That would be a fair fight
0: mm, No, I can't think of anyone
1: mm-hmm.
0: i Roper Roper's Roper yeah
1: He's got a bit of an angry streak in
0: him <laughs> kind of looks like Clark Kent so, you know. Yeah, maybe Clark kind of in good shape Yeah I mean, he's Superman. So. <laughs> I don't know. I one thing though is like I know days like someone's gonna do like a movie about him or a documentary about him or a book about him, and I'm really excited for that because it's been one crazy like story, one one crazy trip. I'm kind of I'm kind of grateful it happened because it's so it's such a bizarre sequence of events. But I don't I don't I don't like. I'm not as mad at him just because I feel like he's just crazy. Like, he just has problems.
2: Yeah. Like, he just
0: doesn't know, like, what it is to be a human. (laughs) So he's just crazy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What's Zack Knight? This is a Knighters excuse. Little trouble with the name.
2: (laughs) He's a gahool for love. What? Because he made that movie, Legend of the Garden. <laughs> I got it. I, I just
1: didn't
0: understand what it meant. A gahoo
1: for what? I think Zack Snyder's problem is he's just a dumb action movie director, but he tries to take on projects that where like he might actually have to tell a good story and he can't do it. Uh, I'm thinking of Watchmen which I know some people like, but I felt like the tone of that just to be way too overbearing. And same with Superman where, yeah, he just got the tone all wrong and it just turned into a lengthy Michael Bay hour-long action sequence basically at the end.
2: Sweet trailers. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: mean, I I think the thing about Zack Snyder is he's a good – I mean I, his background is in music videos right
1: Yeah. I th- I think 300 is probably his best achievement <laughs> Even though it's not a great movie It's like it's, it's just aiming to be a Dumb macho action movie And it succeeds <laughs> At least in doing that
0: Yeah But like I was saying about like About music videos I think of how Sean points out Like his trailers all look good like, he puts together this collection, like, a good collection of images, and they work really well to music. And, like, he's got that going for him. And I think about how, like, the opening of Watchmen, I'd say, is the best part of the whole movie. Yeah. The Bob Dylan song set to the, uh, the kind of moving images. Like, he could have ended it there. Like, that part was good. It's like he's good at that. But then once he tries to, like, get into that is when you start to not want to be there <laughs> so like i do think he has some talent there like he's yeah but uh, he's 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 trying to be like a storyteller but it's he's just not meant to be you know it's just not what he's good at yeah so he shouldn't do it
2: i think i like that movie more than you guys did apparently but uh... i like
0: i don't know i like watchmen i'm just saying i do think that opening sequence is better than the whole, the whole rest of the movie like it's the best part of the movie I feel like it's more effective storytelling than he's capable through the rest of the movie. But I do, I do think there's some pretty cool stuff going on there. I just want to put that, put that out there.
2: But yeah, I think the he should quit part of this for me comes in that you know, since the Owls of Kahuli, which I don't know, uh, he's done sucker punch, which everyone on the planet hated had a great trailer though and Man of Steel which was extraordinarily offensive to me and now he's like basically been given the reins to the entire DC Empire even though like he hasn't earned it at all so to me it's like yeah Zack Snyder you should quit because no one's gonna like let you just go away otherwise it's the only way you have to quit do something else
0: i mean at this point he can only do more harm <laughs> he's gonna keep harming things that are close to people's hearts i mean like i like i like uh watchmen but i feel like it there's it probably maybe annoyed more fans than it pleased
1: i mean they could have gotten someone better to do it.
0: Got, yeah i mean and same could go with maybe 300 i don't know maybe that was never capable of being anything more than it was <laughs> A Dawn of the Dead remake definitely wasn't. Like, I'm a big fan of the original. I did not need that. He's, a he's like, going after things that are close to people's hearts. I mean, with the exception of Sucker Punch. And... So I think that's what makes it sting so much, is that I don't want him to ruin anything that I really like. And to see that now that he's got Batman, you know, in his next movie. And Batman is very... Yeah, but I was just saying Batman because he's especially someone like I I think of the old cartoon show. I think of, you know, it's it's something that's close to, I you know, close to my childhood. And I have I've seen enough bad Batman movies in my life, you know. I don't need to go back to that. And maybe it won't be that bad, but I don't know that Superman movie does not do really much dominance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can overstate how disappointing that movie was for me, how excited I was to go see it, how much hope I had, you know, as having not seen Sucker Punch and and just that the trailer got the tone right and it was visually exciting. And then the movie starts and it it seems so cool. And then it it just turned out so bad.
0: I mean, yeah, I was thinking, like, I was thinking about, you know, how there was the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy and how I love those movies now and they're so awesome. And when I was hearing about this new Superman, I was like, oh, man, maybe I'll get to go through that again. And then once you realize that, oh, wait, that's not going to happen again. But since it does so well, you're going to have to just put up with these coming out. Like that is really like crushing Especially if you're a fan of comic books, like a real fan of comic books, or just good storytelling. I don't know.
2: Uh, So who goes on our list and who gets to survive for another day, another movie, another project?
0: If there's anyone on here that I feel like is still capable of maybe making a good movie, I might say Clint Eastwood may be able to make a good movie. It's pretty unlikely, but I think it's possible. Like, how bad, was, how bad was J. Edgar? How far off was that? <laughs> it's probably close to being acceptable. All right. Got I cause. also think Oliver Stone may be able to make a good movie again, though I think it's pretty unlikely. But it's possible. Like, some of these guys are like, it's not possible. Yeah, I, I, I could believe it with Oliver Stone. Uh, one more <laughs> who, who, Are any of these guys capable of making another good movie Even though we're just talking about him I don't know Zack Snyder Could he maybe
2: uh, <laughs> Make it happen but uh, I feel like his low Like if, if I could judge it Objectively If mm-hmm. I had no attachment to the Superman character Yeah uh, I'm sure that movie would not be considered his worst film and I'm pretty confident that that would be Sucker Punch, right? Yeah. And even that is probably still better than a lot of the movies that directors on this list are turning out. I'm sure it looks
0: eight million times better than anything Uwe Bowl has ever put on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think his low is is still like higher than some of these other guys at their best. <laughs> So, yeah, I think you could take out okay. Zack Snyder, though he's still pretty okay. bad. Okay, now these guys, which one is the least offensive? I mean, I think you can start sorting them by the guys who've maybe made a good movie before.
1: I like, mean, yeah, if you do by that, Brian De Palma's way Brian De
2: Palma's higher probably. than all
0: of these. He's definitely, yeah. So, is he the he's, last one to get cut? He's the last one to get cut, yeah.
2: Okay. We have our 10. Okay.
0: I mean, going by what I just said, I feel like M. Night's lower because he has made
1: Uh, good movies. But it's like, as you said, he's so deep into the (laughs) hole. Like, who knows how far down he can go with this career of
0: his. Yeah, but I mean, we're at the point where none of these guys are capable of salvaging their careers. Unless that's unless you think Brett Ratner can pull out something <laughs> that's acceptable. I, I feel Big like with Brett
1: Ratner, he's never, like, gone that low with the movie. He's just, like, stayed really <laughs> unimpressive, but never terrible.
0: I mean... I wouldn't mind putting him at ten then, because I mean, more than anything, he's just gross.
1: Yeah, I think that was what most of our argument was for who he is as a person. Which uh, it's you
0: could not... probably for Brett Radner at ten, I think, at this point. Okay. Um. So, the,
2: so then I'm looking for directors who have made a thing that I like. hmm So I guess Roland Emmerich and Michael Bay would be amongst them
1: yeah you seem pretty pumped about the rock
2: have you really never seen the rock
1: yet? i've never seen it God,
2: i thought there was a time when we were like you should watch the rock You're like, i'm on it
0: maybe that
1: conversation happened i don't
0: know well then i'd probably put
2: roland Emmerich at nine i mean
0: i don't know about michael bay though because i don't want to keep having transformers movies coming up <laughs> like at least with some of these guys like rennie harlan will make a piece of shit i'm never gonna see it it's just
1: <laughs> He's for me. The Reddy Harlan is just like who cares? <laughs>
0: like I didn't even know he was still making movies. Yeah. It's
1: like he's barely on anyone. Like Reddy Michael Bay Harley.
0: is still a huge force. So I think oh, we. It's so sp-
2: swelling, not a, okay, maybe, maybe not as huge, not the same scale as Michael Bay. obviously, okay. Michael Bay r- runs this shit, but
0: maybe <laughs> maybe we should sift out a couple of the guys who just who give like, gives shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> who so gives Rennie Harlan
0: Renny Harlan what Gary Marshall
2: Gary Marshall, that
0: is Dugan. like they're not really doing anything. They're just they're more just directors for hire, I think, except for Gary Marshall, he's simply his fault. <laughs>
2: okay, well, okay, but then we get back to what is Dennis Dugan.
0: <laughs> a he's a bio. ghost. It's just put Dennis Dugan on there. I don't know. I just... <laughs> just He's definitely been the hardest to like figure out on this list.
1: Like maybe like he's the Shakespeare of bad movies. Maybe he's just a an amalgam of, of their people doing his work.
0: I want that movie where someone figures out he's not real. <laughs>
2: He's sixty seven years old. So it's like he's twenty years older than Adam Sandler. It's hard to imagine them like getting along. Like early on, right? Oh,
0: when well. so Sandler's in
2: his twenties doing his shtick and Dugan's in his forties rolling his eyes.
0: Well, just I don't know. Just put them on. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I feel like we gotta put it
2: on
0: lower just because we don't understand it. Yeah, we don't even know if it's
2: his fault. <laughs> uh, so I, then Uwe Boll is the last one. It's like who gives a shit? Who like, gives a shit? Doesn't even exist. It's basically. kind of funny
0: <laughs> that he's still making movies. Like, he should be high because they're so bad, but, like, at the same time, it's, like, funny that they exist.
2: So, yeah, now we're down to five people who have all made us see more than one of their movies.
1: I guess if you count that 20 minutes of Spy Hard that you watch. (laughs) Uh, Um, What
2: are you talking about? I've seen, like, all the scary movies
1: oh yeah well I don't think they didn't direct any of those I think they they like helped work on a draft of the first one and so just because of that they were able to put on the posters of all their movies like from some of the guys that wrote scary movie
2: wow these guys suck
1: yeah that that was the best thing they did
0: (laughs) Back to assembling the list, um, I'd probably go Roland Emmerich next because I think even though he's making pretty bad—I mean, probably pretty bad—movies, I think there's little glimpses of re- of redeeming qualities in those movies. They're mm-hmm. just surrounded by a lot of bad stuff. Like maybe there's even some good jokes in White House Down. It's just the—it's just
2: a really stupid idea.
0: He's okay. giving his best. His best just isn't that good.
2: I guess I I could sign off on like he probably hasn't fallen that much compared to when we mm-hmm. liked him. We're just consistently now.
0: mediocre. For some reason I still want to put M Night lower cuz I I feel bad cuz he did make some good movies. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's that part of me that still feels the need to defend him.
1: Maybe. Yeah, I, get, I could go lower on the list just for that reason even though I don't know how – I don't know what bad, terrible shit
0: he has in store for us.
2: I mean honestly at this point I would rather see a Paul W.S. Anderson movie than a um, M. Night Shyamalan
0: I would much rather see M. Night on movie than a Paul W.S.
2: Anderson movie.
0: <laughs> Paul's, Paul W.S. Anderson has never really made a good movie.
2: All right, so Shyamalan at four.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: I'd go W.S. Anderson at three. Okay. This is where it gets interesting. Are we going to go with the guys who have made, definitely made the most bad movies here, but they're kind of falling off now? Or are the guy who's making bad movies. That is, like, one of the most powerful people in Hollywood.
2: Yeah, at least he knows what he's doing.
0: (laughs) At least he knows how to make money. That's not good, though. That's not good. No,
2: at least he knows what a movie is like. (laughs) At least he understands dramatic structure in the broad strokes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, Freeberg and Seltzer literally have no idea what they're doing. These are
2: guys who didn't go to film school. They're just... They just, like, love this stuff, and so yeah. they're trying their best, but they don't know what they're doing.
0: I mean, I guess I may put it in terms of if you gave both of those teams, like, the, those those guys and then Michael Bay the same amount of money to make a movie, who would pull off a better one? I guess Michael Bay would probably come out Def, with a better one. Definitely. Be Michael, Michael, Bay. Bay.
2: <laughs> Michael Bay knows what to do with money. It's, it's uninteresting, but... Like, you can see the dollars on the screen.
1: <laughs> They're not, like, playing dress-up in their backyard. Yeah. Like a camcorder. I mean, I think those guys are really just one of the ultimate examples of that. To make it in Hollywood, you have to have a certain amount of talent and a certain amount of luck. And those guys were just all luck. They just had a string of lucky moments in their career. And finally, uh, that luck has kind of run out, and for good reason.
2: Plus, The Rock is fucking sweet. Okay,
0: that being (laughs) – that's pretty good. That being said, I'd put put Michael Bay at two and the other guys at one. Because I do think Michael Bay is doing a lot of damage, but he does understand what a film is, and he has made at least one good one.
2: I mean, Bad Boys may not be a good movie, but is important for us as a society. (laughs) Well said. I think it's ready to be read off. Top 10 directors. Who should quit? Number 10, Brett Ratner. Number 9, Rennie Harlan. Number 8, Gary Marshall. Number 7, Dennis Dugan. Number 6, Uwe Boll. Number 5, Roland Emmerich. Number 4, M. Knight Shyamalan. Number three, Paul. What do you guys think WS stands for? Worst shit. Worst shit.
1: John is worst
2: shit. It's the only thing it could possibly stand for. (laughs) Paul, worst shit Anderson. Number two, Michael Bay. And number one, Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. A duo who, even despite being twice as many guys as everyone else in this list, doesn't even have half as much talent. So, if you want to make us quit, you should, like, just like write some really mean iTunes reviews. Those are... Ugh, I'd be crushed. YouTube. <sighs> too. Really Those mean YouTube too. comments amuse me too much for me to be angry I'd want to quit. Okay. Those are good, too, though. They fuel me. They keep me going. Um, so, to, to find us on iTunes easiest way, if you ask me, is to go to MileyPlease.com. There's a link right there. It takes you to our iTunes page. Otherwise, you just have to open up the iTunes uh, store and search for Top 10 Thursdays. That's like a lot of typing. That's There's maybe more typing than you want to do. Um, and when you're at MileyPlease.com, you can read posts that we've written, like uh, the Miyazaki stuff that I was talking about, that John was doing. Uh, more of that coming next week, I assume. uh hmm Colin did one of his, uh, his uh, The People's albums recently. It was funny. It was always good. Mm-hmm. I always, I always like the part when you say why America embraces an album. Those are always pretty good one liners. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite so far has been because sometimes America likes to keep it casual. <laughs> um, I'll write something too. Uh, maybe I'll play a video game or something and, and write about oh, Maybe I'll go see Pompeii and. <laughs> write a lot about how fantastic it is and how well uh the karate works <laughs> so that's uh top 10 thursdays we'll see you next time.